Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Monday, everyone, and welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast. Today, Eric McLean, it's all about the U. We are talking about Miami. And this is perfect timing, too, because Mac was just down in South Beach doing the ACC Network road trip show. And so he's got all the intel in the world. Mac, you look a little tan. You look like you enjoyed your time in South Beach. <laughs> don't don't get tan confused with burned and roasted right. <laughs> being in the sun red. for hours and, uh, you know, doing a little TV. But it was so much fun. Uh, love South Beach. It was great being down there. Always enjoy our time. We went to this uh, really awesome restaurant called Komodo. Uh, so Ooh. if you're ever down there calling a game or anything like that, you need to go. It's It's okay. just – it's a vibe. It's an experience. You never know – who you might see, what you might be doing while you're there. It's it's a it's a cool place with unbelievable food. Very, very good. A South Beach vibe. Yes. Is that what I'm getting? It's I mean, like, listen, the first time I went there, EJ and I were sitting right next to Drake. So that's the that's, Are you serious? Yes. Yes. That that's the type of deal that it is. Get out of here. Okay, go. so this is what I'll go, but maybe you could talk to EJ and have him cover the bill because it sounds like this place is a little expensive. Well, we can take care of you. We can take care okay. of you. Well, Mac learned a lot down in South Beach, and we're going to get into all of that after we talk with the new head man from Miami. Let's get into this. We really appreciate his time. Let's talk with Mario Cristobal. Coach, welcome into the podcast. Really appreciate you joining us. I know you're all over the place, but thank you for some time today. Well, thank you for having me. Appreciate you. I've got to tell you, Coach, the, the research that I've done, and this is extensive. I, I've texted reporters. I've texted people within the program. I'm trying to figure out what does this guy do for fun, and it seems like <laughs> it's all ball all the time. I mean, and I know specifically right now, given the situation, it's been recruiting, uh, spring ball, months and months of this stuff going forward, but do you have any trips planned? Have you been able to, to breathe and, and have a little fun? I mean, I enjoy this stuff. You know, it, uh, again, maybe maybe I'm ultra boring. You know, maybe that's <laughs> it. Uh, I mean, we'll do something with the family at some point in time. But I don't uh, I don't love the offseason as much as maybe some other people do. I just um, – but I do love time with my family. So, I, so that's something that you don't compromise. But there's so many things to do. And then uh, – it's so exciting right now. The momentum is strong. It's very real. Um, there's so many people that are just really investing every ounce of what they have in them to help this program accelerate its course to where it needs to be. And so we know we have work to do and we're excited about it. Coach, we know that momentum is real. I mean, we we hear it. It's only June when we're recording this and people are talking about Miami. Can you give us a few examples, maybe things that you've heard around South Florida or some alums that you've interacted with that have made you think, okay, people are really excited to have uh, me and my staff down here. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm being born and raised down here. I mean, everything from Little League baseball to high school football to college football, I, I, my entire life took place within about a four-square-mile area. So, wow. I mean, I've run into my Little League baseball coach. I've run into <laughs> classmates. I've run into teammates. I people that I've worked with, classmates, it's and the the genuine enthusiasm right now it's it's unbelievable. It's a really strong 
intense wave of support, of juice and excitement. Mm -hmm. And our players feel it. We feel it. But I think everyone feels it because they know that we're working. Um, They know that this is a very driven and humble uh, operation and organization and that we, we we eagerly anticipate, you know, the rigors that come with this process. So uh, it's just, it's real. That's the best way to describe it. This is, this is as real as it gets and we can't wait for every bit of it. So it has sunk in, I think, is, is the vibe I'm getting from you. And if, if people are watching this on our YouTube channel, you have the big you on your, on your t-shirt, on your collared shirt there, I should say. Growing up in Miami, playing at Miami, did you let yourself dream to this point? Did you let yourself dream, I'm going to be the head coach at the University of Miami? Well, I mean, this is in, in my blood, you know, it always, <laughs> it always has been. But, you know, it was. It was when I interviewed as a graduate assistant and I was asked by, by Coach Davis, you know, what you know, what do you want to do one day? I, I told him, I said, I'd like to be in your seat one day. But when you start coaching, you know, it's a vocation. You fall in love with the profession. Those dreams are really, they're not part of your process anymore because your whole process is geared towards giving your best to all these young men and, and finding a way to, I mean, really impact them. That's often thrown out there. I want to affect the young man. I want, well, there's that and there's truly investing in them, right? There's collecting talent and there's investing in young people, two different, completely different concepts. And I was always taught and I was raised by awesome parents, may they rest in peace, to always invest in people. And, uh, and so that was what I've been doing for the past 24 years, 25 years. I've been away a long time, a long, long time. Um, so when it actually happened, you know, at some point in time, it will, it will be felt, it will sink in that, yeah, it was a tremendous dream and a goal. But, uh, you know, it still starts with the vocation of being a football coach and a teacher. It just now happens to be in a place that uh, I've always just loved and been obsessed with since. I was a kid. I mean, what what an opportunity, Coach, number one. And and we, you know, on this podcast can't express how excited we are uh, that you're back home and, and you're the guy leading this ship and, and what all that means. And I know, you know, as a former player, as a guy that won championships and, and just to be back in the community that you grew up in, how important that is to you and, and really cool for us to watch from afar uh, and cover this program. I want to move on the field a little bit here because, man, you've got a great quarterback. And we, we've spoken to a couple of coaches and they say, look, when you know your quarterback situation, I can really focus on everything else, and that just makes us a better football team. You've got a guy in Tyler Van Dyke that, man, when he was kind of forced into action a year ago, he just he let the ACC on fire, and it was impressive to see. He's got everything you want. He's a great leader. He's, he's passionate. He's confident and has a rocket launcher arm. Man, what was that like, I guess, that first practice or that first week of practice that you got to work with Tyler Van Dyke and, and the things that you saw from him? All the things that you mentioned, he's a very natural leader, very intense, hardworking guy that it's all about his teammates, very unselfish, and he understands the game inside and out. He doesn't get enough credit for being a relentless competitor because when we're running our match drills out there, our fourth quarter program, our offseason program, every single rep, he's completely just exhausting himself to try to win each and every rep, you know, and um you know, it's our job to make sure that every single player on on this team maximizes their potential. The supporting cast of a quarterback is critically important. You know that. You know, you played up front, and without those guys up front, not much happens. And uh, we've got a, the reality that our most productive wide receivers have moved on to the NFL, right? 
So we expect a lot out of our wide receivers, expect them to be the hardest workers on the team and, and step up for all that, all those areas where that production has departed. And the offensive line as well to take that next step from a physicality standpoint and not only protecting the quarterback, but being able to control the line of scrimmage in big games. And iron sharpens iron, right? The front seven now. You know, Miami last year led the country in missed tackles. That can't be the case if we want to be a good football team. Right. You know, and that uh, requires work. And that's not in any way, shape, or form being negative on anyone or anything. It's just an area of improvement. And that's what we identify them as. There's a, this whole thing, you know, it's, it depends on each and every one of us. You know, winning football games and winning a certain way really requires us to practice and train a certain way. And the entire focus is on Miami. I love that, Coach. And I think exactly what you just said right there, almost reinstilling how to play, how to practice, how to work. And I know just as a former offensive lineman, us both right here, we, we do things a little differently. We, we have a little different expectation, and not a lot of guys can can hang with that. And if they, they can't, you know, portal's open. See you later. Go do whatever you want to do. And I know you probably have that kind of mindset. Just to, to go back on Tyler really quickly, because he is such an intriguing piece of this puzzle, what, what is expectation from you this year? I mean, going into year two, that there's always a fear of, of a sophomore slump or, or of that step being taken, especially by a quarterback when it's their job. You're not the backup quarterback anymore. Everybody loves the backup. You're the guy. So what, what kind of process, I guess, does that look like in your expectations for year two? Yeah, you know, I, I don't think in terms of, um, you know, things like that, like a sophomore slump or um, predictions or rankings. It's just, you know how that is. That's about as superficial and as as dangerous to the mindset as anything else out there you know it's um it's it's about being where our feet are right now and and understand that for us because of well heck for what football is nothing but our very best is going to be good enough that's the expectation i mean i think we all have to understand that everybody has good players every single team has good players and if you're not at your very best it's a pretty good chance you're going to get beat well, how do you get there? You get there you know, beginning in January. You know, that that extra two inches of depth on the squat, you know, making sure you touch the line on that, you know, 300-yard gasser, right? Making sure you start behind the line just because your tie doesn't give you the right or the privilege to put your hand on the line or start before anybody else starts their sprint. I mean, the little things add up. There, and there are no things. There's no such thing as a little thing anymore. They're all big things. <laughs> if it's a thing, it's a thing. And Tyler... The rest of our program, these guys have done a really good job. We've pushed hard. The, the blueprint that we've brought here is very demanding, um, very challenging, and tremendous credit to these guys. They've really just, they've attacked it, you know, and they've really just hung in there. Strong. Every, I feel like we get a little bit better every week. Our capacity is growing. You know, we're, we're starting to understand the importance of physicality and technique and fundamentals and eye discipline. So... I want to totally sideways on your question on Tyler, but hopefully at least encompasses, you know, you mentioned offensive line play, right? We always think about the whole, right? Five is one. Mm. So it, uh, it really applies to everybody. You know, it's not just Tyler. It's it's a supporting cap. Tyler may have a bad game and someone else has to step up and play great football, yeah. right? So all in all, just uh, we think that he is a great leader. We think that he is also surrounded by guys that are becoming really good leaders and eventually great leaders. And together we feel that we're going to put together a great football team. 
I love the O-line bonding that we're witnessing here. <laughs> I've never I can feel it. And I know Mac loves his fellow offensive linemen. How many uh, meals do you think we've had today so far? How many <laughs> well, I mean, what is it? Uh, four? Maybe four around 2.30? Okay. First breakfast, second bracket, breakfast, first lunch, second lunch. <laughs> um, coach, I, this was a, a couple months ago, but when Mac and I both, of course, watched your spring game, and what really stood out to me in the spring game was that running back room. A lot of depth. A yeah. lot of depth in the running back room. What do you expect from those guys? And can you give our listeners just kind of what to expect, what this Miami offense is going to look like? Something tells me it's going to start up front. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the running back room, we were missing a couple guys then. We were missing uh, Jalen Knighton, mm-hmm. right, who was one of the more explosive players last year. We were missing Don Chaney yep. as well. He was coming off of an ACL and then we had just signed Trevante Citizen, one of the better backs in the country. And those guys are all healthy now. And the way we run our offense, you know, we're a power spread. I mean, we want to be as balanced as possible on a perfect road. like to be 50-50. It never ends up that way. The RPO takes you one way or the other. But in everything we do, we, we want to be physical. And you can't tweak that. You can't proclaim that or slap it on your T-shirt and think it's going to work. We've got we to gotta get busy working at that. We've taken steps in that direction, and I think that, um, you know, the growth and development of our offensive line played a major role in us being a little bit more effective up front at the line of scrimmage uh, during the spring. Now we've got a slew of defensive linemen that just came in to add to the guys that we have coming off of uh, a couple of procedures. So uh, we expect to take another another step in that uh, improvement at the defensive front as well. So what's this team going to look like? This team's going to look like the best team that the Miami Hurricanes could possibly be. But the discipline and physicality are always at the forefront, playing smart, you know, being intelligent, playing with discipline and understanding that teams that have discipline and teams that are well-conditioned typically win every single ball game they play. So those are two critical factors for us to improve upon. You got me fired up over here, Coach. I mean, I'm, I'm about to I have a wall right here. I'm about to run through it. I'm excited about the season. Uh, we're going to let you go here. I want to ask one more thing on the defensive side of the ball. You brought it up a couple of different times. I, I think that, you know, the standard that has been set years before uh, wasn't really met these last two years defensively for Miami, and I'm sure you're the first to acknowledge that and, and to say that. How can guys like Leonard Taylor, like James Williams, and some of these other stars, and even some you know new transfers that you're bringing in, really help to set that tone of what Miami football is supposed to be? These are really good guys that you mentioned. They're good guys. They're good people. They're talented players. And the best way, the best they can do, you know, because I always like these opportunities whenever I get a chance to speak with the media. It's almost like an extra team meeting because <laughs> all I'm going to do is echo the exact same things we talked about on the field today when it was about 110 out there, you know, after just having an unbelievable session is that uh, they have to allow themselves to get pushed, right? And they have to step up to the challenge and meet and match that level of intensity. You know, there's these games that we're playing, right? I mean, there's so many good teams in our conference. So many good teams, so many tough places to play at. And these fourth quarters, you know, I mean, come on now. Those those slugfests, those 15-round, you know, heavyweight uh, battles, you know, it's it's going to be a reflection of your offseason. We're off to a very good off. We're, we're, we're start a very good offseason. You know, we're about halfway through. And for them, the combination of the offseason, the fact that their bodies have to look way different in August, than they did in January of 
upon arrival. The use of our hands, our pad level, the strength, the way we come out of our hips has to look way different in August than it did upon arrival, right? All those things, our um, ability to execute our scheme from the signals to the plays to the alignments, the assignments, the hat position, the hand placement, all that stuff, right? The steps have to be the increments and have to be bigger and bigger and bigger so that when August rolls around, we are hitting the ground running. You know, it shouldn't look like uh, our job is to make sure it doesn't look like year one in the beginning. Yeah. It has to look better. No question, man. We appreciate your time. This is going to be a lot of fun. Good luck this season. And uh, can't wait to see what the Canes do in year one. Appreciate you guys. Thanks again to Mario Cristobal for joining us. I mean, this guy is all football all the time, so we know how valuable his time is to come on with us. And Mac was able to chat with him a good bit down at South Beach. We promised Mac's observation. So, Mac, tell us what, what it was like being down there at Miami's practice in the in the facility and all that. Yeah, man, it, it was um, it was intense. It was awesome, and, and I just think of you know, obviously speaking with Coach Cristobal and and hearing his vision on various outlets and things of that nature is one thing. Um, but when you're there and you're in the mm-hmm. trenches with them and, and you see how he works, it was fascinating, KG. I mean, this guy's obsession with football, his love, passion. I mean, it's everything. You know, a lot of people say that um, and don't really mean it for him. This truly is it. I mean, it's He's home. This is Miami. This is the ultimate goal uh, is to be the head guy here at the place that he played, at the place that he won, you know, multiple national championships. And and it's unbelievable. So to see that, it was really, really cool. And to be a part of that and, and just, again, to see his intensity and the things that he does and really that just goes throughout the whole staff and then to the players, it was a completely different vibe from a couple of years ago when I went down there to visit at Miami and just the, the way that they practice, that was the first day in pads, um, which obviously comes with, with another level of intensity and, and physicality and things of that nature. But just the, the way that they got after it and the drills that they did, you know, were, were unique and things that, you know, I hadn't really seen other places and the emphasis on line play. I mean, you know, it's funny, he's a head coach, but obviously he's an offensive lineman, a former offensive line coach. So, you know, when, when they're doing one-on-ones, when they're doing inside, when they're doing anything, he's right there. And he's instructing these guys and teaching and, and along with Coach Maribal. So they do a great job of kind of splitting the guys. And one goes one way, the other goes the other. And it was just, man, I, I couldn't – if I was a recruit, and especially an offensive line, and I was talking to that guy, I don't know how you don't commit. I mean, I, I don't – Wow. It, it It is nuts, seriously. And I would love to play for that guy for three, four, five years, whatever it is. And so, KG, it was a lot of fun. It was great to see, um, you know, kind of scheme what, what they're going to do. And I'm not going to get into a bunch of those secrets because sure, sure. I, I wouldn't be alive tomorrow. Um, but <laughs> it, it was cool to see. Can't wait to see the finished product. And then defensively, you know, I, I think that there are some things that they need to do and, and continue to build depth. But you know, this unit, I, I think, is going to be head and shoulders better than it was a year ago, which is you and I remember. I mean, if you were running a jet sweep, KG, they, they wouldn't been able to tackle you a year ago. Yeah. Well, and Mario said that on our show. Yeah. He said, look, we led the nation in missed tackles last year. I mean, he's very aware of that. Before we dive into expectations and talk win totals and all that, 
What were your um, interactions, your read on Josh Gaddis, Kevin Steele? I mean, both these guys are super experienced. They've had a lot of success at different places. Mac actually, Kevin Steele was Clemson's D.C. Mac's freshman year, so he knows Coach Steele pretty well. But what did you make of those two guys? Yeah, you know what was great is when we get to go down a day early and spend some time, we get to go to a practice and, and, you know, just interact with them off camera and totally in their environment. It's their comfort level. And so it was really great to talk with Coach Steele and Coach Gaddis after practice. And then, of course, we interviewed them uh, during practice uh, uh, a day after that. But just sitting with Coach Gaddis and and talking to him about the fit and, and the scheme and the things that he really, you know, wants this team to be, it's ground and pound. I mean, he wants it to be a physical team. He wants to be this run first. We're going to line up and we're going to hit you right in the mouth mentality. And they've got the stable to do it. I mean, they, they have they the, the bodies. They have the the personnel. And I just can't wait to see what the the tight end game looks like as well. You know, they have big Will Mallory that has been there, done that for quite some time. And then Elijah Arroyo, a guy that I think is really going to step up, number 80 tight end there. Um, man, I, I think they're going to do a lot of two tight end sets. I think you just have to when you have two talented guys like that. And then a couple of young bucks that will obviously be coming along at tight end position as well. So really excited to see what that offense is going to look like. Sounds like Tyler and looked like Tyler Van Dyke has, has a great grasp and has really learned and been in the playbook and in the film room. And Because it's a big jump for a guy when he was so proficient yeah. a year ago. Now it's going to be brand new. And, and you know it's, what's funny to me is a lot of people think, man, this is going to look like Oregon. There's going to be moving parts, this and that. It's going to look like Michigan, in my opinion. It's not yeah. going to be Oregon. It's going to be ground and pound. It's going to be lined up and hit you right in the face. And that's just what those guys want to do. And then defensively, uh, again, great seeing Coach Steele, a guy that, man, he he tore me up for, for a year on the scout team. But, you know, obviously with love and, and you know, developing me into a better player. It was great to see him and just how he's changed and, and the mindset that he has and, you know, using this talent that he has in Miami and why he decided to come back. Uh, just because of all the history and the tradition and, you know, wanting to help restore that, you know, what was his biggest thing. But honestly, KG, this staff is so loaded that there's so much experience. There's so much talent. Um, Jason Taylor's out there, NFL, yeah. uh, you know, Hall of Famer, one of the best to ever do it. Um, it it's just it's incredible to see. It's incredible to see. This staff, you add all those guys, you add Ed Reed, <laughs> right. you add Charlie Strong. Yeah. I mean, this staff is just it's like an all-star game. I mean, it's like an all-star yeah. or an Olympic like basketball coaching staff. <laughs> For real. It's it's unreal. Okay, let's get into expectations. Mac told told you what he saw. Miami, of course, as we know, finished seven and five last year. But what's so crazy is they went five and three in the ACC. Right. So a lot of that were some of those non-conference losses. They lost to Michigan State, who ended up being pretty good at the time. People were puzzled, but that was a good team. They won five of their last six. Two of those wins were over NC State and Pittsburgh, two of the better teams in the ACC. And their three ACC losses last year were by a combined eight points to Virginia, North Carolina, and Florida State. So the ball, you know, we talk about the football is not round, okay? It bounces weirdly. If the ball bounces a few different ways, it's crazy. Mario Cristobal might not be there because how do you fire a eight or nine right. win Manny Diaz? I guess you still might, but... It's so, it's so interesting how all of this changed. So let's start with the offense. You talk about Josh Gaddis. You think this is going to look a little bit like Michigan. My main question with this offense, and you tell me if you have a different question, Mac. My main question is, who emerges as wide receiver one? Who emerges 
as that dude. You've got Keyshawn Smith, who's back from last year. You have Frank Ladson, the Clemson transfer, who people are excited about if he can stay healthy. What did you see in that regard, Mac? Yeah, and, and Xavier Restrepo. I think those are the three. Yes. I think those are, those are the guys that I believe will run out there first. And, and you know, barring injury and, and continued growth and, and things like that, I think that's exactly what will happen. I'm right there with you. And it's not so much a, a you know wide receiver one. It's just consistency. Can those three mm-hmm. guys step up and, and do the things that we saw – you know, from Mike Harley last year, from Charleston Rambo, with so much production that is gone. It's not there. They lost seventeen hundred plus receiving yards right, last right. year, right? And a lot of touchdowns, and, and a lot of leadership, and a lot of you know, just just guys that have been there, done that experience. So that's that's the biggest thing for this offense, in my opinion. Now, again, they're going to run the ball a lot more effectively. They're going to run the ball a lot more mm-hmm. just in general because again, you know, with, with Coach Gaddis, with Coach Cristobal, their mindset. They're doing that, and, and so I think that number is going to improve. The offensive line play is going to improve, um, and, and so now it's that complementary piece. How does throwing the football look? And, and it's, yeah. I don't think we're going to see a lot of RPO. I think we're going to see more play action. I think we're going to see more of a pro-style offense, um, and, and so because that's what they did at Michigan. So with all that in mind, it's okay. Who can step up? How well can can we you know help this guy out? But also don't forget the tight ends. I, I think that – Mm-hmm. With those five guys, you're in a really good spot. And if all five of those guys can be, you know, two, three hundred plus yards and and you know get get to forty touchdowns from the five of them, you're you're in a great spot. And the receive in the the running backs, excuse me, in the in the receiving game. So I, I think that they'll figure it out. You you want to see consistency, but it starts with those three guys, and, and they just have to get it done. And you bring up the uh, the running backs, Jalen Knighton. Caught a lot of passes yes. last year, too. Yes. So I think they'll use him in that regard. The The running game, okay, this is a team that only averaged 127 rushing yards per game last year, 12th in the ACC. That has to improve just with the mindset, with the coaching staff, all that. But my other big question, Mac, is this offensive line. I know Zion Nelson is a star. What else did you see? Because you're talking about Cristobal is literally in there with these dudes. Right. <laughs> he is an O-line coach. This O-line has to take a significant step, I would assume. Yeah, and, and he's going to get it out of them. He and he and Coach Mirabal, they're, they're going to get it out of them um, one way or the other. And Zion, you know, he, he was dealing with a little bit of an injury uh, that came out actually before we were even down at camp. He had a little surgery, hoping that he's back before Texas A&M. Um, mm. You probably don't want that to be your first game back. Um, right. But, but hopefully he'll be okay before the season goes. He, he's just a – a great looking specimen. I mean, he really is. We saw him walking around and doing some drills outside of practice. Another guy that is maybe more impressive and, and just remember this name two or three years from now, KG, is Jalen Rivers. He he was at guard. He was at left tackle, number 64. He, he is a awesome looking guy and was so physical. They were doing this double team drill and he was at left tackle. There, there's a tight end, left tackle, and then a defensive end. And you're basically doing a, a, a TED block, if you will. And so he takes a rock step inside and then lifts this defensive end up. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And I think he's a sophomore. He, uh, he's a redshirt freshman. So he got hurt the Michigan State game and uh, was very promising and then got hurt. Uh, so he, he's got, I mean, four more years if he wants it. I don't think he'll last that long. But, I mean, a guy that with this staff and with these guys, look out. It's going to be very impressive. I think we also saw, um, you know, Ja'Kai Clark take some big steps, you know, at the center position. Uh, and now it's just going to be filling those voids. You know, if Zion comes back, you know, d- does 
Um, Rivers stay at guard? Do, do they move guys around? You know, what does that look like? They're going to get the best five out there. Um, and at the end of the day, that they are going to be drastically improved. And it helps. I mean, just with the with the offense you're running. What, what did we see from Florida State? What, what have we seen from some of these teams that, you know, haven't had great offensive lines in recent history? Just run the ball. Just, just go forward. You know, because mm-hmm. the problem really arises in pass, bro. Not that that was th- these guys' case, but that, that's what we've seen. So now when you make that your strength, I, I truly think that we're going to see see a big improvement from that unit. As you always say, it's much easier to go forward than backwards as an offensive Trust lineman. Me, way easier. <laughs> I love what you said. It was the most beautiful thing ever. It was, it was very impressive. It was impressive. <laughs> You're such an O-line nerd. Okay, we're, we'll talk about the schedule because you bring that up. I really like how this year, instead of opening with, you know, Alabama, <laughs> you open with two teams where you can really establish yourself. Right. That is going to be so much better for this team, I think. Let's talk defense here. We know this defense has to take some steps. As we've said, I guess we'll say it for the third time, led the nation in missed tackles last year. We'll stop saying that after this point. But you bring in Kevin Steele, and this is just a young defense. I mean, you're returning quite a few starters. You've got some high-level recruits that are in there that kind of need to emerge, like a James James Williams and a Leonard Taylor. But they're young. They've got a new scheme, a new energy. In some ways, I think that new scheme, that new voice is just going to help in general. Um, but I'm sure it was a lot of fundamentals, a lot of physicality. Is that what you saw? Yeah, that, I mean, it was get back to basics. That, that was yeah. that was the biggest thing. Is is we have to, you know, start from the ground up and and don't assume anything. And we're just gonna teach these guys how to play football, how to hit, how to tackle, how to do the right tracking, how to be on the right line, the right reads. And, and so you saw a lot of that individual time. You saw a lot of that emphasis, um, and it translated to the field and team drills. It translated to the the aggressiveness and again the physicality in these drills and on the goal line and, and was actually a it was 50 50 uh you know when when they had success and versus when the the defense stopped them so that's what you want to see I mean that's the perfect situation um you know if you're a head coach and, and you, you don't want one unit dominating the other um and so the biggest thing for me you, you mentioned that youth they brought in a bunch of great transfers a couple of guys from UCLA a monster from West Virginia that I think is going to make a big time impact on the D line. And then another guy uh, in Daryl Jackson uh, that came from Maryland. He is just huge. He's like six, 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 seven, kind of like Gregory Rousseau, but just bigger, like, you know, mm. beefier. Um, and so not saying that he'll, he'll translate to that, but um, just a guy that, man, you look out there and you see six, you're like, Whoa, that's a, that's a monster in the middle. Um, and so I think what, what's going to happen, KG, is by bringing those guys in and you're know, probably a unit that if you just looked at a year ago and what's left, that's, there, there's a little concern. But now those guys are kind of coming in. It's going to revitalize that defensive line, I think, and hope it's going to really push Leonard Taylor to take another step because mm-hmm. he has to be the guy. He has to be a superstar. And I, I hope that he's taken on that challenge because he's probably a guy that has just been bigger, faster, stronger than everybody's whole life. And now there's a little bit of challenge there. And so do you go in the weight room? Do you go so much harder and, and emerge as that five-star, as that dog that we think right. you know you can be there? So interested to see this linebacking core. I, I would say that this is – I don't want to say concern because um, obviously the context that that comes with, but just a, a unit to keep your eye on. I think they're young. I think it's not a lot of names that you quite know, but people feel good about them, I think, and, and feel in some depth there. Uh, some issues that, that that they'll have, 
And then the back seven, I mean, they're, they're going to be good. They're young, but they're aggressive, and they've got some playmakers. And it's led by James Williams. I love that guy. Reminds me a lot of Isaiah Simmons and just his, mm. his size and his, um, you know, the, the things that he can do, his versatility. It'll be interesting to see if he keeps getting bigger, do they move him down in the box and, and make him a linebacker? But he's got great vision. He, he picked off Kenny Pickett to win the game. Uh, you know, who was the first quarterback taken in the NFL draft. So it, it'll be interesting to see just how they grow. And then, of course, Tyreek Stevenson's, you know, one of the best um, – Stevenson, excuse me, one of the best corners in the league. Uh, so that secondary is going to be good. The pieces are there for this defense. And Coach Steele seemed really excited about it. We know, special teams-wise, that Miami has the oldest and perhaps the best punter in all the <laughs> land in Lou Headley. So they feel pretty good there. That's right. I just had to shout out him. Uh, Uncle, Lou, he, Uncle Lou. Uncle <laughs> Lou. How was Uncle Lou doing at practice? Was he uh, talking to the kids? Listen, he, he was signing autographs. He was kicking the ball to outer space, and then it came back in. Uh, <laughs> I love that guy. I really do. I, he, he's one of the coolest stories in college football. And, he is. and uh, you know, just a beast. But also... Uh, Andres Borregales, uh a freak. Yes, uh, so this they, they they probably have the best uh, you know kicking unit uh, in yeah. in the ACC right here with those which two is guys. big. And I got to give a big. shout out Clay James, one of the best long snappers in the ACC. So special teams coach, co- listen, Coach Cristobal loves special teams, and he's intense yeah. about that too. He walked into a great situation with these three guys. <laughs> Uncle Lou, I love that. That's what I'm going to call him. Okay, schedule time, Mac. Let's talk about this Come schedule. On. The win total per Vegas is eight and a half, which is pretty pretty high for Miami, yeah. and I think says that Vegas has some confidence in this team. And as I alluded to earlier, what I really like about this schedule is you open with Bethune-Cookman and then Southern Miss. This is a schedule that you can ease into with your new scheme, all your new coaches. I think that's really going to benefit Miami. And then, look, Texas A&M is a huge test. And I think in many ways, look, if Miami goes there, plays well, doesn't win, of course, Cristobal will never say this, but that would be fine for their reputation nationally. If they go there and win, I mean, look, the the hype train is rolling. So I think that A&M has a lot more to lose from that matchup. So I don't mind it. I think that's going to be a good matchup for them. And then overall, the schedule is quite manageable. The the hardest part is that you finish at Clemson and you host Pittsburgh in your final two. That Pittsburgh game could decide the Coastal. But in the end, between A&M and Clemson, this is a very manageable schedule for Miami. Yeah, it's not terrible. You know, I think the the thing that pops out to me, I I guess, that is just difficult is you go to A&M, one of the greatest environments in in the country. You go to to Virginia Tech, one of the best environments in the country. You go Mm -hmm. to Death Valley, one of the best environments in the country. Yeah, that's tough. So So you've got... But the good thing is you have a very experienced quarterback right. and an experienced offensive line. So that's where it's not as concerning. But anytime you're walking into any of those three stadiums, you're like, okay, we got to be ready. We, sure. we have to have a game here. So, yeah, it, it's it's a great schedule. You know, I think it really sets up for them if, if they take care of business and they do what they do. I mean, by the time they play Clemson, I mean, that this could be a top five team. And so when, when you think about that and, and you circle, man, September 17th, that that's – We'll find out as quickly as we want yeah, how good is Miami going to be. And, and again, with Zion Nelson not being available potentially, a little concerning. But if Rivers slides out, I mean, that, that they'll be okay. But, man, what a test that is going to be right out of the gate. Well, and think about this, too. How many teams have won five of their last six going into this season? Right. The ex- That's not – Yeah. 
That's the thing is Cristobal is not really inheriting a true rebuild. No. Right? He's, he's got pieces there. And, Mac, to your point with those road games, if the number's eight and a half, basically, okay, let's say you lose at A&M, at Virginia Tech, at Clemson. Virginia Tech's iffy, but let's just say that. you got to win every other game to get over the eight and a half. Mm-hmm. That, I think – I'm looking at this schedule. I think eight and four – would be solid for Miami. Yeah. You'd love to go nine and three and then maybe get a bowl win, 10 and two, which would be huge. Right. But I'm not sure I can go over the eight and a half just because if you lose those three road games, you have to win every other game. That right. concerns me. And, and you know, it, it's something where I, I think Tyler Van Dyke is, is good enough to get them to nine wins. I really do. Okay. I think that he is that type of competitor. He's that type of guy that some of these other shows we've done, some of these other previews were like, can he do that? Can he will his team to this? Mm-hmm. I think he can. And listen, I sat down with him and we did an awesome you know, interview and we're going through plays and just hearing his mindset, and hearing what he sees and, and the fact that he's sitting there and telling me, yeah, we knew NC State was going to do that. This is why we have this play. We, we checked to it mm-hmm. and boom, 60-yard touchdown. So like his attention to detail is exactly what you want and exactly what you expect you know, from your quarterback playing at this level. So I think that he is going to be calm, cool, collect. And, and it's not – KG, you know what's funny is before I met him in person, I thought it was like a cocky swagger. It's not. It's mm. He's so just confident because no. he prepares. And, and he's, is, he is very quiet. Yeah, like, That is. is his nature. It is. It is. It was so, – because, you know, I just have this, this memory of that NC State press conference yeah. and him talking his talk. I'm like, dude – Relax, okay. I just saw you get killed by Carolina. Relax, and uh, they went out there and did it. And so yeah, th- that's where you know I kind of had that mindset in my head. But man, he 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 is a great leader. I think he can will them. I, I'm gonna go over. I'm gonna go over mm-hmm. here. I think that that Pittsburgh game at the end of the season is the playing game for the championship. I really do. And I think the winner, you know, obviously is is going to be going to Charlotte. By the way, go listen to our Tyler Van Dyke interview. It's here on our YouTube page. And he talks about those NC State yeah. comments. And he said he wasn't trying to start a fire yeah. storm. He was just confident. Yeah. <laughs> so that is what it is. That's right. That's right. So I'm excited to see it, KG. Thank you so much uh, to my boy Cam for setting this up, uh, for, for getting coached. And he hooked me up with a bunch of gear, KG. I, I think I just you have to. You got so much gear, Listen, Matt. guys. Cam gave me so much gear, Cam Gorby. I had to go buy another bag to get home. No, you didn't. I had to go buy another bag. Are you serious? It wouldn't fit in my suitcase. It wouldn't fit in my suitcase. So I had to go buy another bag. I had to check two bags. So I'm kind of upset about that, but it was all worth it, Cam. So thank you so much. Thank you for getting this This is interview. a challenge is. to every other school that you go to. It is. Mac is expecting is. 15 pieces well, a year. And, you know, one of them maybe not fair because I'm going home to Clemson. I mean, they'll they'll hook me up. Nick Yard, he's the best in the game. Um, but, yeah, can't thank him enough. Coach Cristobal for his time for this interview was so much fun. Uh, another great episode of Gramlick and Mac Lane. Before I get us out of here, guys, go check out Rich Take on Sports, our producer, Richmond Weaver. I jump on him with on the radio all the time with him. He does a great job on there, too. Always appreciate him. Uh, but that's it for this episode. If you haven't already, go get our podcast on YouTube, on Apple uh, Podcasts. I keep trying to say other things. I don't know what I'm saying, KG. And, of course, on SiriusXM. Uh, it's always great to hear from you guys. Review, rate, subscribe. Thank you all for joining us. But until next time, we'll see you all.